Hello everyone and welcome to my second edition of my documentary about the murder of Patriot Prayer member Jay Danielson at the hands of Antifa member Michael Forrest Reinel. Being as how it was the anniversary of this event that took place last year, I decided to go ahead and have another look at this old documentary. I was able to fix a lot of the sound issues so far as the volume. I apologize that the sound still sounds kind of fuzzy. My equipment was nowhere as good back then. Um, but at least you'll be able to hear it at an equal sound level. Not only did I fix that, but I also added some new footage that was brought to my attention literally right after I had uploaded my first attempt at doing this where I just fixed the sound. So I decided to incorporate that footage into this video. At the ending, you'll also get my commentary on the current dialogue about what, has take, you know, what had taken place and how it's currently being spoken about by Antifa because they seem to have changed their attitude about how they're going to treat this situation. So thanks again for tuning in. Please consider supporting my work on Patreon and please like, subscribe, and share this video. Hello everyone. This is my video about the recent incident in Portland between Antifa member Michael Forrest Reinhold and Patriot Prayer member Aaron J. Danielson. It's at this time that I'll again put up my disclaimer that I am a left-leaning independent I am not a right-winger. I am not a left-winger. I do lean to the left, but I would not say that I identify exclusively with either side. I've actually started to feel that the right-left paradigm has gotten so far out of control that people are unable to think for themselves. And if you take a moment and just view the graphic that I use for my show, that will give you some indication as to what my feelings are about the two major parties. With that said, let's get into this video. Uh, I made this video already as far as the footage that we're going to be reviewing. I'll be using the VLC media player and pausing it periodically to make any further comments that I feel are warranted beyond the narration that I had already used when I made the video itself. Um, this video begins uh, in, I would say, the middle of what is known as the Dunlap video. Uh, there was a independent journalist who was walking the streets of Portland named Dunlap and his video was actually used in the official police investigation that led to the arrest warrant against Michael Reinel. So this part that I've moved the video up to is one of the first times that Michael Reinel is visible in the video. And I'm going to go ahead and hit play here. Um, we'll take it from there. over there. See his sandals. He and his buddies have been kind of milling around for a while before the video got to this point. There he is again. Making his way down 3rd Street. Dude, did you miss the whole Lime Brigade? The actual got incident from takes all place down here. Of Portland. Cool. So when I originally did this video, the CCTV footage that shows what took place um, immediately after the video you were just watching was not available. It is now. 
So what I did is I'm going to incorporate it with my reading of the arrest warrant for Michael Forrest Reinhold. It says here, during the investigation, Portland Police Detective Corey Stenzel of the Portland Police Bureau's Digital Forensic Unit obtained video surveillance from the Moda Tower, located at 601 Southwest 3rd Avenue. I reviewed surveillance footage from a camera above the garage entry located on the east sidewalk of Southwest 3rd Avenue, just south of Southeast Adler Street. The field of view of the camera looks north along the east sidewalk of Southwest 3rd Avenue, and captures the intersection of Southwest 3rd Avenue and Southwest Alder Street. I noted the following actions of Reinhold during my review. 84405, Reinhold is at the northeast corner of the intersection waiting to cross southbound on Southwest 3rd Avenue. 84416, Reinhold crosses Southwest Adler with a white female in a white t-shirt and shorts. Reinhold and the female are staring east down Southwest Adler Street, subject number two, and another white female are following a few steps behind. Eight forty four twenty three. The female in the white t-shirt stops walking and stands against the wall as Rhino continues. Danielson and Chandler Pappas are seen rounding the corner from the east and turning south onto Southwest 3rd Avenue. Rhino looks back toward Danielson and Pappas, but continues walking and begins reaching towards his waistband. Eight forty-four twenty-six. Reinhold turns into the garage entry and reaches towards his left front waist area. Reinhold conceals himself, waits, and watches as Danielson and Papas continue walking by. Danielson and Papas do not appear to interact or communicate with anyone and continue southbound on Southwest 3rd Avenue. Danielson appears to be holding a can in his right hand and what appears to be an expendable baton in his left hand. After Danielson and Papas walk by, Reinhold begins to emerge from a garage while still reaching towards the pocket or pouch on his waistband. Subject number two looks back toward Rhinel. Danielson and Papas cross westbound southwest 3rd Avenue, and Rhinel and subjects number two follow them. The shooting occurs shortly thereafter and is not captured on surveillance video. Now, this is where the video switches over to back to the Dunlap video. Now, the reason I'm making a note of this is that Dunlap um, at some point stops because he hears a revving engine. Uh, the revving engine was coming from a black charger, meaning a car, uh, which is later revealed to have members of Antifa inside and a member of Black Lives Matter. Um, and I kind of made the note, I was like, is this guy accelerating to catch up to the scene? Um, he seemed in quite a hurry. And you'll notice as the video plays, he also runs a red light to get even closer to the scene immediately after the shooting. I love it when I hear revving engines. 
Not really, it kind of scares me. Okay, so now the video is going to slow down to half speed. Reynolds' torso turns, indicating he is changing into his gun stance, preparing to fire. Bear mace cloud is immediately followed by gunfire. Uh, bullet sounds always have a slight delay in slow motion. Uh, just another note, the police officer in the police report um, also kind of shared my view that the stance that Reynolds took was indicative that he was getting ready to fire a firearm. If you pay really close attention, because uh, we're going to slow this video down again, you'll notice that it's very clear that Reinald was already in his stance pointing his gun at Danielson before he uh, before Danielson's raises his hand to shoot the bear mace. But we'll get to that in a moment. So what you're about to see is new footage that shows a bit closer up perspective on what was going on during the shooting. Unfortunately, it pans away uh, right as Reinhold would have been lifting his pistol. I feel that my previous video analysis shows clearly that Reinhold raised his pistol and that Jay bear-maced him in response. Now I will say that on the Antifa spin side of this, they're trying to say that, you see, this is all we needed. This proves that it was self-defense. And I have made the argument multiple times that if Antifa wants to say that shooting somebody is an appropriate response to bear mace, considering that Antifa aggressively and offensively bear maces people without provocation on a regular basis, that that's a really dangerous precedent to set. So to recap then what we just looked at, Reinhold spotted Jay Danielson um, behind him, decided to duck into a garage to allow him to walk by. Reinhold walked what looks to be around and outside, um, probably around that car that was right next to them to get around in front of them because he went from behind them to in front of them. Now, another piece of Twitter BS that I've been seeing from Antifa supporters is that you see he was following him, meaning that uh, Jay and uh, Chandler were in some way following Reinhold. The problem is, is that if that was the case, they would have followed him into the garage that Reinhold ducked into, and they didn't. They didn't even take note of the fact that he had stepped away, and they started crossing the street in the other direction. 
Ryan Noel had to go out of his way to get around in front of Jay Danielson and Chandler Pappas. Now we're going to go back to video and you will again see that black charger pulling up at the tail end of the new shooting video that I just showed you. Now again, we're coming back to that black charger um, that you, members of Antifa and a member of BLM will, BLM will be getting out of after they pull up to the scene. And it's been noted by other independent journalists that this black charger has been seen at a lot of protests in Portland. So that was a uh, another like a basically audio enhanced version of the first b camera view. This next video will actually be from phone footage that was taken from across the street. Uh, the sound is clear. In the first part of the video, the camera or the phone is for whatever reason pointing at the ground. Um, but what's most important about this particular part of the footage is what is said between these people. I would imagine that the person with this phone was probably only about six feet away or so from the action when it took place. So I listen to this a lot. Um, I recommend that if you want to be able to hear clearly anything in a video like this that you actually put on a good pair of headphones. Um, but this is the transcript. Uh, voice number one is screaming, no, no. Voice number two is, hey, we got someone right here. And then you hear no again, kind of actually at the same time. Then you got, we got a couple right here. And this is the part that I don't actually see a lot of other people mentioning that they heard, but I heard pretty clearly um, the same voice that said we got a couple right here get quieter and say he maced me he's pulling it out and then the third voice which I think belongs to Reinhold says right here like as in he's confirming this is the guy who maced you and that's when the two shots are heard
Now, over on the left, you're going to see Reinhold and the one that's referred to as Subject 2 in the police report uh, running off. They're very briefly in this video on this side. Um, you get to see the black Charger car pull up again. Um, although it's the same, it's obviously the same pull up. It's just we're playing video from two different perspectives. Um, more Antifa also come from the right. Now, this video is just downright disturbing. Um, again, I'm on the left, but I cannot support this kind of activity. I don't support anything that resembles terrorism for any political purpose, not just because it's immoral, but because it doesn't work. I can get into that at another time. However, this is a clip, actually two clips, of Antifa celebrating, along with Black Lives Matter, the death of Aaron Danielson. Same night. Y'all are not angry, you're not paying attention. If y'all are not angry, you're not with me. Everybody needs to realize what's going on in these streets. Our community our community can hold its own without the police. We can take out the trash on our own. I am not sad that a fucking fascist died tonight. <laughs> Now, I'm assuming what she meant by the community being able to handle things without the police would have been the um, recent experiments with things like the Chaz Chop, which I would say actually did not really go over so well, but that'll be the subject for another video. Um, so, more aftermath. Uh, Chandler Pappas, uh, Danielson's friend who was standing next to him during the shooting, gave testimony to Common Sense Conservative and to Tucker Carlson on Fox. Last night, it escalated to the point that uh, they executed my partner. They hunted him down. They hunted us down. They recognized our Patriot Prayer hats. For anybody who doesn't know, Patriot Prayer, Joey Gibson, the citizen's advocate, is a good man. We support him, Christian and conservative. Um, so they identified our hats. Got a couple of them right here. We got a couple of them right here. Pull it out. Pull it out. And uh, that's what they said. That's what they said. We turned around, 
I didn't even it didn't even register that somebody was pointing a gun at us until the shots went off and he took off running. The and shooter took off running. The shooter took off running, and uh, you, you know you did. It takes a second for you to process everything that happened. You know, you, did he just shoot at me? Okay, I'm okay. Turn over, and Jay's dead. So back to the original shooting, was there anything that inspired or that led up? Was there any confrontation that led up to the shooting? No, I didn't even know who these guys were. I remember kind of being set off because you turn around and you typically you see people in, in black in black block and this guy had all white. And it just, I remember that stood out to me and it took me a second. And then the next thing was two shots went off. We didn't, I don't have any idea who this guy is. I don't think he knew who I was. I don't think he knew, I know he didn't know who Jay was. Jay's always kept his, you know, his head down. He's always just been mellow. So was he, did it look like he was attacked because he was the easiest target or the first target or? Um, I think it, the two of us alone, away from the rest of the Trump rally with all the, the trucks and all the other noise going on, I think they isolated us and they thought he could get away with it. So it's 50-50 whether you're standing here or Jay today. Yeah. So you do believe it was just a random assassination attempt? Yeah, I think it was planned. I think they were looking for somebody to hurt. I think they were looking for somebody just like us who was down there unprotected, who didn't go and bring guns because we're not, we didn't have the intention to kill people. So you say he was, he was killed, he was shot and killed. Mm -hmm. Can you describe where he was shot and how it was? Yeah, he was shot right in the chest. So, uh, uh, you know, as I said, the shots went off and I kind of take a second guy takes off and you're processing everything and I acknowledge I don't have any bullet holes in me I turn to check on my partner and he's on the ground um, I asked his you know, I said his name I asked him if he was okay he's non-responsive I rolled him over I started looking for a wound to uh, to plug up and I saw a fair bit of blood um, ended up finding a, a hole right in his chest right just uh, to the right of his heart um, he had no pulse and at that point, Antifa medics, which some of them, to their credit, really do go out there to try to help people, but they came to intervene and try to affect whatever kind of help they could, and that lasted for all of eight seconds and a little bit of arguing because I wasn't sure if they were going to try to finish the job or try to try to kill me. And uh, and thankfully, the police were right around the corner. They came and separated everybody, and they had EMTs on them, and probably less than a minute. But. Uh, you know, they blew his heart out. He was probably hit before he hit the ground. What are they saying? I don't pay attention to everything that they're saying. Uh, I know that they came up behind us. They shot my friend and killed him. Was there warning? I mean, was there, were you in the middle of a dispute before this happened? No. Or what? Tell us the circumstances, if you would. Just the yelling. I mean, when they started yelling at us, we turned around and... Uh, I mean, I didn't even have time to register that somebody was pointing a gun at us before the shots went off. But do you recognize the man who pulled the trigger? Yeah. And is it this man? We have his picture on the screen who the police say is the main suspect? Yeah, I mean, mostly what you see is a, is a white blur. I recognize that he was a white guy, and what significantly stood out to me is that he was the only person downtown that night, other than myself, wearing a white shirt. What were they screaming at you before they murdered your friend? Uh, like, we got a couple right here, we got a couple right here. Pull it out, pull it out. And then uh, and you turn around and you just you don't quite understand what's going on. And before I got a chance to process anything, it was over.
Did you point a firearm at them? I don't bring my firearms downtown because I don't go down there with the intent to hurt people. We occasionally bring bear spray to keep them off of us. That's, uh, you can see in that video, that big cloud of smoke. They shot him through his uh, can of bear mace. So you were unarmed. They were armed. They didn't demand anything. They just identified you and assassinated your friend. Yeah, uh, this, this hat's a pretty big target out there. This hat, a MAGA hat, anything that's pro-American, pro-patriot. So just a brief interjection here. Uh, while it's entirely possible that Chandler was not armed with any firearms, the police report does say that Danielson did have a firearm on his person, but that it had been holstered and that it had not been used. I will provide a link to the police report um, that you'll be able to find in the description of the video. I had no choice. I mean, I, I, I had a choice. I could have sat there and watched them kill a friend of mine of color. But I wasn't going to do that. You know, that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, what I will say is that I felt that my life and other people around me's lives were in danger. And I felt like I had no choice but to do what I did. And, and just to reiterate, you, you feel that it was totally justified? Totally justified. Had I not acted, I am confident that my friend and I'm sure I would have been killed because I wasn't going to stand there and let something happen. Honestly, I hate to say it, but I see a civil war right around the corner. That shot felt like the beginning of a war. Now, one of the things that kind of strikes me about that interview is that he felt the need to point out, uh, well, I did have a choice. I could have stood there and let them kill a friend of mine of color like he's got a virtue signal as to why he shot the guy. I don't find any evidence uh, anywhere in any of the video of any friend of color that he was coming to the defense of. It honestly looks to me like he, you know, snuck up on the guy and shot him essentially or you know came around the back of that red car that you see in the video. Um, there wasn't any confrontation going on before that. Um, it does sound like, when you listen to the audio from before, that um, he's saying, you know, he may, there was a, that comes back to that point I made earlier about him, uh, somebody saying, he maced me, he pulled it out. Um, now, he is seen, meaning this is Danielson we're talking about, um, with the mace and then a baton in his hand, and that's in the police report as well. But again, um, you know, why he felt the need to say of color um, just kind of strikes me as he's virtue signaling. Um, anyway, uh, Reinhold is eventually located by the police and federal officers. He is killed in the encounter. Two witnesses say he fired first in the report. Um, Washington Post writes an article briefly admitting that two witnesses testify to this, but then details another witness saying the police opened fire first. And again, into this kind of silly controversy here. So I just want to take a moment to comment on the media's handling of what happened to Reinhold at the hands of police when they tried to apprehend him, uh, and specifically how it affected discourse in regards to this situation. 
here I am on the People for Bernie Sanders group, one of my typical groups on Facebook, and it was posted September 11, 2020, at 8.45 a.m. They quoted, Michael Force Reinholm, the wanted man, wasn't obviously armed, a witness to the scene said Wednesday. In fact, according to Nate Dingus, Reinhold was clutching a cell phone and eating a gummy worm as he walked to his car outside an apartment complex in Lacey, Washington. That's when open officers opened fire without first announcing themselves or trying to arrest him. Dingus, a 39-year-old man who lives in the apartment complex, said in a statement shared with the Washington Post. Now, there is already another report that was put out before this that included the fact that there were two other witnesses who also said they saw what happened. And I'll be including a video here of the statements of one of those witnesses, along with some footage of what happened immediately after he was shot. But more specifically, what it is that bothers me is, aside from the fact that, you know, this headline basically leaves out that the fact, you know, basically that there were two other witnesses who say that he fired first. It's the reactions that I got, you know, reading this. And I even said this, I said, interesting how even though this article openly admits that there are two other witnesses that reported that he fired on the police, that this is the outcome and narrative people were hoping for, so they are latching on to it. There were a lot of people who said some pretty strange stuff about this. In fact, I've even had people say, well, he wasn't Antifa, but he was anti-fascist, as if that makes any sense. Now, I want to take a moment and comment on why I pointed out that it was odd that all of a sudden they were saying that Michael Reinhold wasn't Antifa. Some of you will still encounter this if you deal with these people online, but basically they say, well, are you anti-fascist? Do you like fascism? No. Well, then you're Antifa. And I always suspected that there was something to that because, you know, it's kind of like the Patriot Act. Well, of course you like the Patriot Act. Aren't you a patriot? You know, um, and of course you support Black Lives Matter. Don't you think Black Lives Matter? It's a trap that's designed, you know, very clever, you know, for the purpose of trying to make people feel pressured to join. I had always suspected that it had something to do with some kind of agenda of radicalization so I was on this private um, forum, frequented largely by Antifa, and the, you know, I asked the question specifically at that time about, you know, why is everybody trying to say that Antifa is not anarchist? I thought that was always understood, that they were anarcho-communists. And so, you know, then the everybody is Antifa topic came up, and then they said, four years ago, many Bernie brothers just being radicalized who showed up. Um, this person says, anyone who opposes fascism is Antifa, quote-unquote, is a generalization that is being used to radicalize folks. It works. Here's another clip from that same private forum. It's all about optics. If we can make the liberals believe that they are also Antifa, they will be further swayed towards the left. We all know that 1940s America was no less fascist than Germany, but we're not going to win people over by shouting that. So again, this notion that everybody is Antifa was their strategy, and some people still try to use this, um, strategy, particularly when they're debating on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Um, you know, but the big problem here was that initially when the Michael Reinhold thing happened, it really kind of put a black eye on, you know, their whole image because for the longest time you would argue with them about the violent tendencies of Antifa and they would spam this article at you that says that, you know, no deaths linked to Antifa in so many years. Um, and when Michael Reinhold murdered somebody in the street, that kind of screwed with that whole image. 
And, you know, so that's one of the reasons why they were squirming in their chairs trying to figure out how to handle this. Now, one year later, things have changed significantly, and I'll get into that in a moment. But first, we're going to take a look at some footage from the witnesses that for some reason were not getting any press. This is something I was pointing out in the previous clips from the old video, was just that basically the internet, you know, buzz was that there was a witness that said that, you know, they just, the police just drove up, pulled out their guns and shot Rhino and that, you know, that there was no gunfight. And there was a single witness who also just happened to be the guy who was sheltering Rhino in his house, who said, you know, oh no, you know, he was just, he had a gummy worm and a cell phone and, you know, they just pulled up and shot him. And they leave out the fact that there were multiple other witnesses that said, no, he pulled out a gun and fired at them and then they fired back. Yeah, you see him? They doing CPR on him. They lit his ass up. I'm telling you, if y'all would have heard it, man, <laughs> it sounded like fireworks. That's how many shots. I was like, the fuck is going on out here? Yeah, that nigga dead, man. He didn't live here. He, he's from Portland. He has a friend there? Or I something? believe that's his friend, yeah. Or family, friend or family, because they definitely had him in his their apartment. And the thing is, the marshals were already in this neighborhood. They already got sight of that he was here, so they mm -hmm. were waiting. And as soon as he did come out, he tried to grab his gun. They got him. It, it, it was really scary. I've never seen anything like it. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, the, the fugitive was coming out of this apartment over here. He comes across, and then that's just when you hear... Shot all of a sudden, you know, windows busted out of three different cars, and you know, shattered windows. They shot someone's house over there, hit their fence, hit their brick wall. Like it, it was, it was pretty scary. I was pulling up when it was all happening, so I could have even been out here in the crossfire. You know what I mean? Because that I was coming into her home, and the shots are happening right in front of her home. Just imagine if I were to have been here right at the time it started. Who knows what could have happened? His car was sitting right here, and his and he jumps out of his car from right here. And he runs, and he's running, and that's, you see this glass right here? This is where they shot his car. This is his car. This is his glass windows right here. Because they shot his glass windows right here. He made it as far as this mailbox and was gone at that point. They killed him. So did, did he ever, was he ever able to drive? No, he was never able to drive. He, 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 he started his car. He yeah. was right here. He started it, and then he shot fire or whatever. Then they started shooting back. He got out. He ran, and then they got him right there. Police department cannot. He's right there. You see his bloody arm? Right. Yep. Oh my god. They killed him. Right. He did open fire first and he did do what he did first. So any person would have gotten shot down no matter what you look like, no matter who you are. So now one year later, we come to the dialogue that is currently being spread about this event. And Antifa went from initially, you know, trying to uh, worm their way out of taking responsibility for what Michael Reinald did into turning him into a hero or a martyr. Um, you know, and of course they refer to the police killing him as a murder. And that's really all they want to emphasize other than occasional cruel things that they say, um, you know, to essentially celebrate Jay Danielson's death. Now, it's really important to note 
that the reason that this is relevant beyond just any issues of them lying about it or changing their story is that this means that Antifa not only uh, supported what he did, but celebrated it. Just kind of like in that earlier disturbing video I showed you of their reaction that same night. And if that's the case, you know, this whole notion that, you know, everybody's Antifa, you know, and if you oppose fascism, then, you know, you're Antifa. I, I want to, like, make a point that I've made several times when debating that issue, which is I'm Irish. I support a unified Ireland. I do not support the IRA because they targeted innocent people. You know, that's the truth. There, there's this, otherwise you get this false dichotomy of you either go along with everything that we're doing or you're fascist. So let's take a look at some of this. As you can see, you know, they were going to have a vigil from Michael Reinhold that actually got interrupted because of some, another event that just took place a few days ago that I'll be sharing here in a moment. Note that in the lower right-hand corner, it says, Jay got what he deserved. Antifa Sacramento tweeted, One year ago today, and Leo and Lacey Township, you know, in coordination with the feds, did execute Michael Reinel, a member of the anti-fascist movement. R.I.P. Michael, solidarity with you forever. And here's that powerful piece from Idris Robinson, an ode to Michael Reinel. So they made poetry for the guy. An anti-fascist abolitionist tweets, On this day one year ago, feds and local cops conspired to make a martyr of this man, fellow Antifa militant Michael Reinel, who tried to defend PDX from Nazi invaders. This is just another textbook example of how Antifa like has delusions of grandeur about what the scale of their conflicts are. You know, there was no Nazi invasion of Portland, and all they really did at that point, they weren't defending from anything. It's not as if you know, um, Jay Danielson was trying to take territory, you know, it's just nonsense. So Jay's friends and family had done a memorial at a tree that was close to where he had been shot. And of course, Antifa defaced that. Uh, Melissa Claudio Lewis says, looks like Jay's tree got hit during the evening's festivities. Fash are not welcome in Portland. And as you can see, you know, they use obscenity here and deface this, you know, way that people have decided to remember their fallen friend. And you're also noticing that this means that this is Antifa taking pleasure and celebrating that they murdered somebody. This is not a peaceful movement or organization or idea or whatever the hell we're going to call them today. So since the murder, Antifa obviously has not really let up. If anything, they've become more bold. Um, local law enforcement basically has their hands tied as the DA will just simply cycle these people back out and release them without charges as often as they can get away with. And I have more or less just kind of joined with a group of other anonymous activists to analyze their propaganda and disprove it. They recently, for example, stabbed somebody in the chest in Los Angeles and then tried to spin it to suggest that the reason that they did it was supposedly to defend themselves from a skateboard. Um, and again, we come back to the, oh, okay, so shooting somebody or shooting or using deadly force on somebody who's hitting you with a skateboard, you know, is acceptable. Well, what does that remind me of? Um, but in addition to that, um, there's also this incident that just took place. Uh, the man on the left is tiny. He's a member of the proud boys. And this is him limping away after being shot by a member of Antifa when the Proud Boys were pursuing Antifa in Olympia. 
and the common lie that was being passed around about this um, that ironically took place on the anniversary of you know, everything that we just went over with Reinhold um, is that supposedly he shot himself in the foot. Now, I did a whole video about that. You guys can check it out on my channel. I also did a video uh, debunking the Antifa nonsense about the stabbing in Los Angeles. But, you know, as you can see, thanks to the work of Mary Todd, you know, who does an excellent job of analyzing footage, you know, there is clear evidence of somebody in Black Block firing the shots. And there's also clear evidence that Jay's hands were full and he can't possibly have ever even had a gun in his hand, let alone shoot himself in the foot. But this kind of crap is just going to continue. Um, you guys have to be able to critically look at things that are going on. And if you happen to be the people on the left, recognize that there are people who have a vested interest to lie to you, just as much as they do on the right. I'm not saying the right never does this, but we don't need this. This has been terrible for the left. Any good work that was done by leftists, you know, that were actually competent activists, this point is undone because the face of the left now is, you know, Michael Forrest Reinhold. It's people like that, you know, and that's, you know, it's just not competent activism. It doesn't help anybody. They're not deterring any fascists. All they're actually doing with stuff like this is making people who would have been, you know, say three years ago, completely aghast at the idea that, you know, there might be some kind of police crackdown or, or whatever on any kind of activist. They would have, you know, never supported that are now suddenly more and more comfortable with draconian measures that could be taken against activists. That's all that Antifa has accomplished with all of this activity, nothing else. They haven't even accomplished their anarchist goals because you know, the idea of roving gangs, marching the streets, burning things, destroying property, attacking anyone they don't agree with is probably the least effective strategy you could ever deploy to get people to agree that maybe we don't need the police and maybe we don't need the state. So to be blunt, you know, if you're the one directing this kind of activism, you're either somebody who wants the left to fail or you need to call a proctologist to help you get your cranium out of your rectum. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in to this second edition of this documentary. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to see more content like this, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Um, I have now switched over to this model and if I can get, I only need about a hundred patrons and I'd be fine to continue to do this work with the same level of detail, the same, you know, research, etc. that goes into it. I often would get up in the morning about 9am and then research all day. And then my videos are often not even done until it's almost time to go to bed. So, um, what you see here is usually representative of many more hours of actual work that goes into the researching and the editing. So. If you'd like to continue to see this, and I would like to continue to do it, um, I'm never going to stop. Like, the, you know, this channel will never go away, but um, it takes an enormous amount of time for me to be able to do this work at this frequency. And, you know, some of my subscribers have told me that I should go ahead and try to open this up to the possibility. And if you guys can support me, that would be great. Um, if not, you know, I can go back to work. It'll be very painful, but I can do it. So... This is not a do or die, but I would prefer to continue doing what I've been doing, which is doing work like this for you. So consider supporting me on Patreon. You'll see a link down in the description to find my Patreon and my other social media accounts so that you can keep track of my work. Um, I did go ahead and decide to try to monetize. I have no idea how that's going to work because as you can see, you know, from reviewing my work, I use a lot of raw footage that in some cases is graphic. YouTube doesn't tend to like that. 
You can also watch my work on BitChute, and my Rumble's a bit behind, but I have a Rumble as well. But if anything ever does get kicked off of YouTube, just look for it on BitChute. So thanks again, everybody. I appreciate your support, and I hope to continue to be able to do this work for you.